0: the matrix. their jobs, and they don't take much convincing once they're in, they get a certain type of brainwashing, which makes them feel superior and different, and elite, you always do that in the military, you tell them they're special, they don't belong to the public, they're private, that's why you're called a private soldier, you're privately owned, the so is your mind if you have one at all, and um, and they'll make sure that you become paranoid about the public, we're going to see a hell all around us very shortly with all of this massive intrusion that's happening uh, this was planned as I say a long long time ago, they don't make mistakes at the top when they're planning military strategy on entire countries, they don't make these kinds, of, these are not mistakes but this is the way it's supposed to be this morning I got up went outside and was a beautiful sky and there's a jet going across from horizon to horizon leaving this massive trail behind it to be followed by others in rapid succession, and then you had this mushy swishy candy cane candy floss type sky. Uh, and then of course you start getting a rather itchy throat and you get kind of tired that's the standard treatment we get and we've been getting that for ten years now, and no one is talking about that in, in any so-called elected governments because the elected governments are meant to mislead you as a punch and duty show for the public. The real government is way beyond that. They're above that, you might say, about 30,000 feet. And spraying you like bugs. And it's not bad enough for the spraying. It's like bugs with chemicals galore. Uh, They're also going ahead with all the other methods that make you dumb and stupid. And this is from the BBC, this particular article. On Tuesday, February 5th, 2008, It said, should fluoride be forced upon us by Claire Murphy, health reporter, BBC News. Health Secretary Alan Johnson is calling for fluoride to be added to England's water supplies in the hope of reducing tooth decay among some of the society's poorest and most vulnerable. They always go for the poorest and most vulnerable because these are the ones that Mr. Um, uh, Charles Galton Darwin in the next million years uh, said might overtake through their breeding, uh, you know, the special ones, the elite ones at the top. So they go for these ones. And it continues, it says, for a public which has grown accustomed to health interventions, and where do they get the authority for that? It's supposed to be services, and not authorities. Health interventions from seatbelts to smoking bans, it may seem curious that such a laudable aim could prove so contentious. But fluoridization strikes... A particular ethical nerve, while the smoker can still nip outside for his cigarette, so far without getting shot, no one can escape regulations which alter the water they drink. To its critics, it is forced mass medication, to the sure benefits of which may pale in comparison to the uncertain consequences including cancer, infertility and Down syndrome. To its advocates, fluidization is one of the most effective ways of achieving equality in dental health and giving the poorer child's teeth a chance to sparkle like those of his middle-class counterpart, you know, his betters. Not for you, it may be a controversial, but it isn't new. The benefits were first suggested by U.S. researchers in the 1930s. That was after they watched the tests that they were doing over in Germany and other countries. And watched how placid the public started to become. It says, uh, who compared tooth decay in areas with different levels of natural occurring fluoride in the water? Grand Rapids, Michigan became the first city to add the chemical to its water supply in 1945, and other areas quickly followed suit. In 1955, pilot schemes were launched in Watford, Kilmarnock, and Anglesey in England. The first evaluation report in 1962 was positive. And Birmingham was among the first cities to make this shift. the shift to policy is still in operation today. It spread. Today there are six million people, around ten percent of the population with fluoridated water supplies, but momentum was trailing off by the nineteen eighties. It was last implemented in nineteen eighty five. Despite new legislation in two thousand and three which gave strategic health authorities new here Isn't it amazing they're all becoming militarized? strategic health Authorities st- strategy. I've got a rapid uh, response team to dump fluoride in your well. Strategic health authorities has the power to ensure a supplier adds fluoride to a water supply. None of the authorities have made use of this provision that we, we know of. And it's really time they did, said Professor Mike Lennon, chairman of the British Fluoridization Society, the man who gets a payoff, because the benefits of doing so are now beyond doubt. Of course, this isn't for everyone. It won't be necessary in the wealthier home counties, for instance. No, we need those people to retain their survival capabilities, as, as they said in their books. But if Manchester started doing this, they could get child tooth decay levels in line with Birmingham, where kids, got kids there too, and at least have children, are twice as likely to have fillings. If we get supplies up from 10 to 30 percent, say, we would really be getting somewhere. Mixed picture, indeed. No one seriously doubts that fluoridation does stop decay. Well, really, well the guy who had the case in Canada and got it through turned totally against it when he got all the rest of the of the documentation, and he's leading the charge to get it stopped. And maybe should, someone should tell the BBC. But uh, anything goes on, and on with its pros and cons and all the rest of it, uh, it's quite the amazing stuff uh, that how we're drugged, stupefied uh, with science. I think it was FDR who said uh, there there are lies, there are damn lies and then there are statistics meaning once you attach science to something it's hard to dispute it that's the the trick of using statistics and graphs and charts like Thomas Malthus did to prove his overpopulation theories of the 1700s and this is the same kind of stuff we're having here Uh, the fact is there's plenty of damage comes from fluoride. There's no doubt at all it's a poison. If you read the toothpaste, it tells you to watch your, should actually keep your limit down per day. So here they are telling you that in the toothpaste. Meanwhile, they're putting it in your water too. It'll be in all the soft drinks as well as well. So you're getting overdose with the stuff. And what does it do? It definitely makes you a bit dumber than you would normally be. Never mind the fact it makes your bones brittle. And it puts these little, lovely little white spots that stick in the enamel of your teeth and give you that mottled effect. So they're, they're fast ahead. Doing all this stuff to us, we're just too imperfect, you see. It reminds me of the old occult, occultic uh, system which talked about where they were, their job was he, there to, to perfect that which was left imperfect, meaning all of the people. We're just too imperfect, and they have to perfect us all in the image that they desire. And they make a few boo-boos along the way, a few screw-ups. Well, it's too bad. It's all in the interest of science. And it's all for the general good, isn't it? And it's just too bad about the, you know, the faulty ones who, who suffer on the way. That's the world we're living in. We're rats in a, in a, a cage. We're being tested on, poked, prodded. And this big stick of statistics and data from various scientists that keep altering their theories on everything pretty well every week seems to be ruining our lives. And we are told, mind you, told and ordered to go along with every new theory that comes along the pike, regardless of the obvious side effects that you can see for yourself if you just look around you. There's no rights anymore, have you noticed? We have no rights. We haven't really had them for some time. They've been taking them away from us bit by bit by bit, really from the 1930s onwards. In the 1930s, that's when FDR came in with the New Deal. The New Deal. The New Deal was their term at the top for a whole new way, you see, where federal governments would run the system almost completely, and put themselves into areas that was off limits for them before. They started up work camps for men. Men were traveling all over uh, the continent looking for work during the Depression. And FDR, being a good banker that he was, was put in there to work for the bankers and bring in the New Deal. They were given military uniforms To work in the forest to build roads and all the rest of it. And voila, along came World War Two, and that young generation just walked into the other uniform, upgraded newer ones, and became soldiers. It was quite a training exercise. And if you were to go back into the rest of the world at that time, they were all doing the same thing. Because they were all getting us ready for a World War Two that supposedly pulled us out of the Great Depression because of the manufacturing process that went on, and the unlimited borrowing that went on, never explained why they couldn't borrow all that money to stop the Depression, but once the war started, they could borrow all that money and fight the war, win it, and take the economy out of the hole. It was during that period that they they basically um, did this public-private partnership deal with the British Commonwealth countries and created what they called Crown Corporations, Crown corporations today are sort of above all authority. It's never been explained to the public, even the Korean Broadcasting Corporation can't get all the load down of what crown corporations are. There are some shares sold, but they won't disclose disclose who to, although they've said in Britain it's the members of royalty and some of the very wealthy elite. These are national systems or institutions that run your country. All done during the 1930s the farmers lost their shirts during the 20s and 30s. Governments then stepped in with the regulations of farming and after all when they brought in the United Nations in 45 they said that agriculture was too important to be left to farmers and have done their best ever since to put them under and the big agri-food businesses have taken over. Now we're all at their mercy because they own the world's food supply. Nothing happens by chance. Now we have Leo in Massachusetts, I believe, and we'll try and bring him up. Hello, Leo, are you there? Is Leo there? No, it's a break. Hmm. Okay, I'll be back after these messages.
1: Mine and on demand.
2: This is We The People Radio Network. He's five foot two and he's six feet four. He fights with missiles and with spears. He's all of thirty-one And he's only 17 He's been a soldier for a thousand years He's a Catholic, a Hindu An Atheist, a Jain A Buddhist and a Baptist and a Jew And he knows he shouldn't kill And he knows he always will Kill you for me, my friend And me for you And he's fighting for Canada He's fighting for France He's fighting for the USA And he's fighting for the Russians And he's fighting for Japan And he thinks we'll put an end to war this way And he's fighting for democracy He's fighting for the Reds He says it's for the peace of all He's the one who must decide Who's to live and who's to die? And he never sees the writing on the wall But without him, how would Hitler have condemned him at Laval? Without him, Caesar would have stood alone He's the one who gives his body as a weapon of the war And without him, all this killing can go on He's the universal soldier, and he really is to blame. His orders come from far away no more. They come from here and there, and you and me. And brothers, can't you see? This is not the way we put the end to war.
0: Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix just going over to some of the things which led up to our present situation we are trained from birth to grow up and work work in a system a pre-existing system that gives you a limited amount of avenues as to where you'll spend your energy and earn your living in fact you're graded. You're graded. In an old Masonic term, everything is Masonic in this system. You're graded for your intellect, your abilities, and so on, and your usefulness to the system. And you're also born into it because your, your first grading is all dependent upon your parents, what class you're born into, when you go to the one of the better private schools, where you'll eventually meet all your friends that you'll mix with down through life, Uh, in big business, in politics, etc., or will you go to the middle-class schools where you'll go in to be an engineer or something like that, or will you go into the lower-class schools where you just take the jobs that are offered to you, you often get married young, have children, and you just race through life trying to make ends meet and have some fun while you're doing it, and, of course, the most rotten jobs that you have make you want to have more fun. need to escape from it. That's the problem. And that's why the countries in Europe that were masters at that gave us lots of publicans, lots of pubs to go and drown our sorrows and make us feel all good. That's where guys would go and slap each other on the backs and pretend that everything was just hunky-dory when they're all crying miserably inside in all reality. That's the system that we're born into. We're born into a pre existing system where we owe money. In fact, as soon as we're born, because you're, you take on the debt from a previous generation, and if you go back to the old black book of the law, it tells you that if you're born into that, into a debtor system, you are therefore the property of the slave master until you pay off that debt, which is ongoing. You can't pay it off, so we're in perpetual slavery. Some of the founding fathers of the U.S. talked about that. They knew their stuff. They were high masons. And Jefferson said uh, that people, a generation born in to a system where they have to pay off the debt of a pre-existing generation were therefore, in fact, slaves, were de facto slaves. And that's exactly how it is. And yet it's never presented that way to you uh, when you're at school Or when you're born, you just go along with the system, you get a birth certificate, you get a social insurance number, your SIN number, and you're owned by the state. You earn money, you get a document demanding money back from you, it's called taxation. If the mafia does it, it's called extortion. The governments call it taxation, and we don't think any more about it, we just want to comply. The facts are the facts, the acts are the acts. If the acts are the same then it's the same. If walks like a duck? quacks like a duck? It's a duck. And you serve your masters. That's the system we've been born into that we've been taught to think is all quite natural. And there's nothing natural about it. It didn't just evolve this way. It's a very old, old system, tried and tested down through the ages. Only today, They have lots more people they can employ in higher positions in the big think tanks and foundations to work on the future, to make sure that those at the top, those who have evolved to the highest pinnacles and their, their offspring will still rule the world in a thousand years. That's really what it's all about. In Britain, you go through London... And if you met some of the wealthier people, uh, the ones in the know, they just referred to the ones who rule as the establishment. The establishment was above politics. The establishment was something you whispered about at the higher levels because you, were, you weren't supposed to let the public know too much about it. Very old families, powerful families, often intermarried, and second, third, fourth cousins, etc the ones who put their own youngsters into the secret service that's still on the go today which is higher clearance than MI5 or 6 they can do no wrong and the whole idea was to ensure that they would rule for perpetuity a particular class would rule the better ones your betters as the lower classes call them your betters would rule Because we were all too silly and stupid to make any good decisions on our own. It would always be faulty decisions. We needed our betters to do it all for us, and we had to comply. But they also gave us this this con game called politics and left and right. That really did consume people I did see growing up. How they'd argue about the, the parties, the political parties and the promises that they're always given that distracted them for years on end and how they'd vote them in and then wonder oh, what on earth happened to their, their, their hero uh, when nothing seemed to change, things just kept getting worse. Then they'd vote that bunch out and vote the next bunch in and the same thing would happen over and over and over. And yet it was hard ever to get these people to see beyond uh, this game, this, this um, Punch and Judy game, this wrestler match called Politics because the establishment was ruling the the country the higher government the one that Margaret Thatcher talked about the parallel government that's comprised at the lower level with ex-prime ministers and ex-presidents and ex-senior civil servants from the federal offices and bureaus that's what comprises it at the lower levels and these characters are now called technocrats like Kissinger they travel the world Professor Quigley talked about it he said these technocrats have more power than elected officials they're unaccountable to the public completely unaccountable and therefore they can they're quite happy not getting the applause and knowing with confidence that they have the real power New World Order I'll mention more about this After the following messages
3: listening to We The People Radio Network.
0: From a reality over the last few years, actually lots of years, even my granddad's day, because he didn't know much about what was really happening in his time either. They knew the local area and not much more. They're also told when to go off to war and when to come back and when they hand their rifles back to the king, because you couldn't have them at home, you couldn't be trusted, but it was okay to go off and kill people abroad for the Majesty. and uh, as long as you handed the gun back in uh, when you came back with the troop ship. The people are peasants to the elite, to the establishment. They're just peasants, useful tools. Pawns, as they say in the chess game. The pawns are there to be sacrificed and used so the big boys can, can win. And that's always been the way of it. It's no different from the goons that want to become action men. And don these black outfits, the ninja boys, they are pawns, they're dangerous pawns, but pawns nonetheless. And I hope that people realize that one day when they're all set against you, uh, don't try and just kill them off thinking you're fighting some other foreign army, uh, because these guys are just pawns. The guys at the top who start the wars and control it all are the enemy of the people. And they hide behind these vast armies. But meanwhile, the public always see the immediate enemy, the one in front of them, and then they tend to fight each other. We've been fighting each other forever. And as long as we keep doing it, we'll never ever change this system that is rapidly going down the hill until we're all chipped and um, we have no minds of our own at all. They'll have their utopia, their thousand years of peace, as they jokingly call it. And we can't think and we can't complain. The fact we won't even know who we are anymore will have no personal you, me, he, she, or anything else. It will be impossible to even think of yourself as being an actual independent individual. That would be impossible. You'd be programmed. And then the better genes, you know, the ones that serve them best, will be taken from one body and another body and another body and many bodies put together to composite a new human being and uh, they'll be better slaves, they'll live longer, be healthier and they'll put out four or five times the production that we can and they'll do it without ever saying I need a reward I have to buy some plastic gizmo from China and be happy for five minutes they won't even have that ability to do that kind of thing So that's their brave new world, and it's all been planned. And here we go, we're going down the the big chute. While most folk truly are playing themselves with all the lovely games that they've been given, even the adults, too, are going into their virtual world willingly. The new sheep pen, where the grass seems to be greener, for instance, on a widescreen, especially in plasma. And we're going to go live
1: now to John from Connecticut. Are you there, John? Yes, I am. Um, Can you hear me okay? Yes. Um, You know, you've been talking about the, um, I I guess my question really is the the bloodlines of these people. But uh, I heard somebody on the Alex Jones show today talk about, I think he was a CIA guy who's kind of speaking out about these um, political so-called leaders that run for presidential elections. He mentioned that Hillary Rodham Clinton's father was a mobster in Chicago, do you know mm-hmm. anything else about the history of uh, her family? Where does she come from? Because that's really all I want to find out. We, we,
0: we're, we, don't, we don't know. We don't know. We won't be, we won't be tell, told until she's made president one day, and probably even then it'll be halfway through the term. Uh, generally, they don't tell you who they are until they're, they're halfway through the term, or they're just left off. I'm still waiting to see who Tony Blair was. He'll be, be well-related, but they still haven't told us
1: yet uh, what his lineage is. We know uh, William, uh, William Clinton, Jefferson Clinton, what you call his real name was Bligh. He was adopted, right? Uh, well, he had a mother um, that was well-known in
0: some circles uh, who went to some of the best parties with the Rockefellers and so on. That's, that's right. I've heard that he may be an, a Rockefeller in, in reality. He certainly looks like one of the Rockefellers. If you look at them
1: 30 years ago, yes, uh, he David, he was awfully similar yeah, in features. And, and the, the, all of these... Um, High, high, sort of politicians back years ago all made sure they had offspring, which threw all sorts of other, um, you know, what to say. Well, yeah, you're right. You see, they had breeding programs,
0: and you find traces of that with even the old Hellfire Club in London, in High Wycombe. And, uh, that was one of the onerous, was to be allowed to breed with what they called the dollies, the ones with special genes. And then you would pass your genes on and hopefully you'd have a, the, the male heir that would take over and you, you find the same thing with rothschilds when they sent over jacob Schiff. jacob shift was brought up in the hu- the household of the rothschilds and sent over to the us and it's thought that he was an actual rothschild but from a different mother
1: right right because now
0: with, it with hillary with hillary it came out in the papers when she suddenly discovered she was jewish uh, a yeah, few right? years ago yeah she suddenly yeah. found out just like Madeleine Albright suddenly found out too <laughs> and, and uh, uh, you have all these strange things that are put into the major media but never really explained because the hard thing is suddenly find out even though Madeleine Albright's uh, grandfather was the guy who worked alongside Lenin one of his right hand men and started up the idea of what became the Green Party
1: oh, I, I, I didn't know that the Jewish connections to Hillary Clinton. That, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and, and, and you'll find this
0: thing too. It's a strange thing. It's the same with, with many of these big players. Armand Hammer um, was taken uh, when he was five years old to go and study and work, taken from his parents to, to, to learn his role in the world for the coming uh, sort of communist com- combination with fascist era that, that he would grow up in. Uh, so they're, they're almost bred for their tasks in a way and
1: trained for them from a very early age. Okay, Alan, uh, thanks. I won't hold the uh, line here. Let somebody else get questions. I know time is kind of tight. Thank you once again. Love your progress. Uh, thanks.
0: thanks for calling. So, so yeah, you have all these odd odd connections with people that uh, often are, are told to the public years later. Um, it's funny. It's like it's the very same thing with the, the prime minister, the old prime minister of Canada, Pierre Trudeau. Pierre Trudeau, all we knew about him was he went to the, one of the best schools, it's our form of, of Eton here, where they meet their own peer group, they'll be working with all their lives to become politicians, and he was very wealthy, very wealthy family, and yet he led the Comintern Party, the Young Communist Party of Canada, over to Moscow, and in 1952, eventually he ran for the Liberal ticket when he came back to Canada, and not one Not one person, not one reporter in Canada mentioned it to the public that uh, this guy who was head of the Comintern party uh, was running for prime ministership, and he he won. And and of course, he was a Rhodes Scholar for global governments, quickly explains that they don't care if they're communist, uh, fascist, or whatever they are, they mix with them all. But they also put their own boys into them all as well, because it's one big con game for a global society. Look at the aims of all of these groups that were called communists and and fascists. They were all global agendas that really all came to the same ending. The rulership over the masses in a perfected society. So they're all one and the same thing, using the Hegelian techniques and the dialectic. And it was the same nonsense with when they put Castro in and helped him take over Cuba. Then the CIA says, gee, we didn't realize he was a communist. Oh, oh, ha, ha, ha. This is the nonsense that we're fed. They set up what seems to be enemies when it suits them and have us all fighting and hot and bothered about it. Meanwhile, Cuba is just off the coast, and the U.S. is flat in different countries in the Middle East and other across the planet, but they leave this little place alone. Why? Because big drugs pass through Cuba on their way into the U.S., and you'd find a lot of the black budgets of the cia and so on wouldn't go ahead and and couldn't couldn't do it otherwise there's there's much more at stake than what we're ever told or what the public's told we do live in disneyland we live in disneyland more so perhaps in the u.s just a little bit more so um, than anywhere else in the world because the public were given truly so much nonsense on, on the recent history they rewrote the recent history and gave them little a house on the prairie back with more after these messages
2: Topics free speech at its best. This is We the People Radio Network.
0: Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Telling some of the myths here and how the, the strange the strange machinations that go on of the people who are presented to be leaders is in Canada too there was a, a company called the Power Corp Corporation, run by I think it was a Desmarais family. And they picked prime minister after they trained these prime ministers. Before they became prime ministers, they all worked for the Power Corp Corporation. Uh, that train these high executive types for big positions. And in other words, they were filtering and vetting who would become uh, put to the top of the country. The establishment runs Canada. There is an establishment in Canada, believe it or not, and just the same as Britain. Uh, it's not just an Anglo-American establishment. It's the, the Anglo-Canadian establishment, Australia, New Zealand, etc. Uh, it runs it very well. And we have our own department of the Royal Institute for International Affairs here in Canada with its round tables and all the rest of it reporting to London, working with the same agenda as London, and they call it the Canadian Institute, instead of the Royal Institute. But it's the same thing. And in, in the U.S. it's simply called the Council on Foreign Relations. Now we've got Tim in Montreal. Are you there, Tim?
3: Hi, Alan. Yes, um it's just a, a question of basics um, is it your um, contention that all forms of government are, are control or is it possible that there's good government but that it's being
0: hijacked at the present time a good government could only come out of an utter chaotic situation and even then only temporarily while the public were watching it like hawks within the end of a generation it would already be infiltrated. Jefferson was quite right you see these guys had looked at all the histories and he said that it's a good thing for the people to have a revolution every one or two generations to clear out government because he knew uh, that the first thing they do is try to get their own offspring in and then you have an establishment forming already uh, and it's, it's through the family lineages you have dynasties running it. And even right after the American War of Independence, you had a whole bunch of them trying to get their own relatives in. Benjamin Franklin tried to get Temple, his son, in, and many others did too. Some of them were successful. So it can only last as long as the public are, literally are part of You see, the, the, the people really are supposed to be the government, the people. Right. So ultimately,
3: where we would like to head is basically the, the disappearance of government completely and yep. people being in a voluntary society?
0: Yeah, ultimately, uh, uh, that's the only alternative because the, the one they're bringing in is a form of the same thing. It's a mirror image, only you'll have no option but to go along with what uh, this small elite have decided for you. You'll think you're making your own decisions, but you won't. You'll be controlled. They're very good at giving you a mirror image. But but a voluntary society is where everyone participates in the system. And the representatives, let's be honest, the representatives you send off are supposed to come from your town or village to represent you. As soon as they bring a party system in, that representative no longer represents you. He represents the party. And that's where he'll turn around and tell his constituents, well, I can't really do that. I have to go along with the party line. Uh, that, so, so we're not voting in, in our, our own representatives at all. We're voting in guys that simply make up more numbers in a particular party.
3: So then, it, in theory, it could be possible that there's a, a, a government, but that it's party less and it's just we vote a representative to, for administrative
0: affairs. And like, it, uh... yeah, and you also have to have a voluntary rotating system where just like people are called out from the citizen uh, society to man the courts as a jury, you'd have to involve people who are called out and rotate from all walks of life, uh, constantly rotating, uh, probably for no more than six months at a time, to observe these ones at the top to make sure that nothing else is going on uh, and be an oversight sort of committee.
3: Uh, Okay, so then uh, a government that would run um, due process Courts and because I'm just thinking, uh, forgive me for taking so long. That this question is is um, torturing me. Um, Is if if it's possible, like it just seems the whole all government, all court systems, everything is is corrupt from even the even the basic due process. I mean, how can anyone have authority over anybody else, even for murder, rape, robbery, you know, the basic common law crimes? I, I
0: uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, A- and wondering. now we're all guilty have- of of just uh, from existing, we're all suspects now, and that's how that's how see law itself, especially police organisations, to prevent crime, you'd have to have every individual tied up. And that's the only way they could guarantee to stop crime. And therefore, since they can't do that immediately, it's taken step by step until you're bound by their rules, laws, under surveillance so that you can't commit crime even if you desired. That's inevitable with government institutions. The military in Canada, in Kingston, for instance, um, has the same kind of thing. They teach their officers that the only way to a global peace is for for a a global society where the military will put an end to war by, by fighting wars to create the end of war. That's their mentality right there. right. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for calling. And that's our dilemma. Uh, We we live in a society which, which, um, on the surface, we're supposed to be ruled by people we elect. Now, it's a big joke. We all know it's a joke. Um, And yet, the, the problem, again, with the public is whenever the elite give you a little one generation of having more money, even though it's all credit, and more toys to play with, more distractions, more entertainment than, than probably all of the generations that have gone before us, right back to the days before Plato even, um, have ever had. As soon as we're into that mode of having fun, the big boys move swiftly, and we see what's happening right now. We're we're living in mental masturbation of enjoyment, and we're losing every right and freedom, not just for ourselves in a our selfish way, but. We don't even look to the future and see the children that could be in the right to life that they have, the right to their society that they have. uh, That that doesn't even enter most folks' minds. They don't care. Uh, This is the me generation to the extreme. Uh, They're stuffed. They can't get enough. And the big boys are rampaging ahead with an agenda to put us all in a a mental limbo where we won't tell fact from fiction, reality uh, from fiction, And uh, that will be peace for them at the top when when there's no possibility of the plebeians at the bottom causing any more trouble for them uh, and and doing anything nasty to them. Uh, The the big boys are terrified, always have been, of the general public. They know their history. They're taught their history. They've known what's what's happened in the past in history, when they've gone too far. And uh, they're terrified because they're so corrupt at the top mind you they don't call it corruption they see it as the rightful Jews since they are so superior to all the ones they actually see themselves as a separate species uh, that's the bottom line and they are psychopathic psychopathy it used to be shunned by psychiatry as far as looking at any other class except the bottom classes so for about a century, they only saw the guy who wanted the jewelry in the window would smash the window and steal it because a psychopath generally cannot tolerate frustration. He must have immediate reward and gratification. However, once they started looking into the, the same traits in upper echelons, it, 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 it was incredible to find out that they came up with whole categories, including uh, the tension seeking hysterical types that go into politics, and that's how they're classified, by the way. That either going to politics or into acting careers, but they're psychopaths nonetheless. And and they're they're basically inbred. They're the ones at the top who control the moneyed system, and the power structure, the wealth of the world, the real land of the world, uh, the resources of the world. They're very very old families indeed. They are mated up. They're matched up. Uh, so you have. A successful psychopath from male and female coming together, chosen by bloodlines to keep that wealth together, make sure their children uh, come out, uh, regardless of their their persuasions. As long as they have children, it's all okay. And they continue the family lineages. That's how it's done. That's how it's planned. And it's been that way for thousands of years. This was helped and, and buffered, By the religious systems uh, that they had. The Catholic Church would appoint the kings, the kings would serve them, and the Catholic Church fought desperately to keep that same system in place at the top. uh, They were against any idea of democracy. The Church itself is not democratic, Uh, it's not a democratic institution, remember, and they don't like change. So it all works together for the same end. So from Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, It's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.